0: Welcome to the C3 Church Podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. I'm just uh, so thankful, thankful for uh, what God is calling us to. Um, Would you mind just standing with me? We'll just pray together. And uh, I want to read a scripture to start. And I'd like to thank some people formally. I've written that part out. And then I'd like to share some points around the Word of God and pray that the Holy Spirit would fill you tonight. It's overflowing. Lord, we just thank you so much for this incredible church, this great moment, and for the fulfillment of vision that's happening in this house, even as we stand here, Lord. We thank you uh, for your anointing and your power, for your word that is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between spirit and soul. We thank you, Lord, that your spirit would enter our spirit and renew us and refresh us, regenerate us, and make us more like you for your name and your fame in this city of Sydney. And everyone said, amen. Let's give God a mighty hand. He's good. You may be seated. It was uh, John Wayne that said, thanking people is a dangerous business. A name always slips your mind. So with that in mind, I'm going to try and thank a few people. Uh, We have so many people in our lives that we need to thank, who each in their own way have helped make this moment a reality and have encouraged Georgie and I so much and brought us to this point. It truly is a testament to the power of a believing, hope-filled and encouraging church that feels like home every week. Many people in this world are lost and lonely, but in the house of God, we are found and never alone with this beautiful family of God surrounding us. For this reason, I see it very fitting to firstly thank some people to show eternal gratitude to God for what He's, what He's doing in our lives through these amazing people over the last 30 years. Despite my many fallings, these people have always been such an encouragement. I'm very grateful for my ger- grandparents who are here tonight, uh, who are just constantly believing in me, they love me, they have an incredible Christian heritage and your love for one another for one another and raising an amazing daughter in Benedict Kelsey, also formerly known as Benedict Clark, now my mom. I thank you for that, and you're truly incredible people. Thank you to my aunties and uncles. I love you deeply. Truly grateful for the prayers of Annie Kelsey, for Georgie and I, and now Brooks. Thank you to my amazing in-laws who are here tonight. Peter and Katrina, your generosity and love towards Georgie, Brooks, and I has always given us great comfort. Very thankful for Georgie's brother, James, and sisters, Haley and Emma. Your faith in Jesus and example have had a lasting impact on our lives. Thank you to all the Corbett's, all the Arnets. Your beautiful, strong Christian heritage and active service in the Anglican Church here in Sydney is a great encouragement. We asked the team to tone it down for you tonight, particularly for Uncle Richard, but to no avail. We are Pentecostal, so I kid, but seriously. <laughs> Thank you to all the pastoral team Richard and Kate, your per- perseverance and care for others, Sue and Scott, for your wisdom and faith. Jeff and Tracy, for your joy in life. Pat and Amanda, for your faithfulness and example. Mark and Kerry, for your liberty and passion. For, <clears throat> I cried in the shower, because you can't see when you're um crying, so I, I got it out, I'm good. Greg and Julie, for your character and strength. Jules Mack, for your heart for others. Sylvia, for your kindness. For Mark and Heidi Wiseman, for your passion for prayer. Jake and Kerry, for your encouragement and belief. James and Tammy, your tenacity and heart for the house. Andy and Janine, your heart for souls. To our past youth and young adult staff and team: Alex, Mitch, Justin, Tali, Nick, Stacy, Dan, Kaylee, Andrew, Lisa, Tammy, Andy, and many other volunteers. The way you have transitioned the youth and young adults through this past year just shows Georgie and I that your greatest years are ahead and the Northern beaches and North Shore will be transformed through your lives. I commend you and pray great increase of souls for the kingdom. Thank you to Ruben and Deb, the newest members of the pastoral team who are leading the charge for 25 to 30 somethings. Reuben, please stand up. Give Ruben a hand. You need to come see this ma'am. I would happily be led by you if I was just attending this church. And if you are in the age of 25 to 40, please go see Reuben. Your support over this past year has been awesome. I will thank the staff of Oxford Falls this Wednesday, but thank you for all you do to support the vision of this church. Thank you to our comrades and close friends, Steph, Mick, Rob, Saxon, Joel, Amy. Dancing like David, it's all good, it's all good. Kylie, Brad, Renee, many other friends um, and too many to name. We, we just love you, we celebrate you, we thank you for being constant reminders that the reason C3 feels like home is because of relationships like you and your steadfastness for Jesus despite your uh, successes, your challenges, you all inspire us. And we pray we can one day be as generous as you've been towards us. George Burns said, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. (laughs) But in all seriousness, my family, my sisters, Amy and Sasha, my brother-in-laws, Glenn and uh, Nathan, uh, you simply... Incredible. We love you so much. And it's exciting that we get to join Amy and Glenn in New York. Thank you for all that you are to us. To my parents, it must be beyond difficult to release your children into something you have already experienced firsthand. You've tasted the bitter challenges and the sweet victories. And neither of them have made you cynical nor proud. Stop it. <laughs> For you know it was the power of the Holy Spirit that enabled you to start see-through church in North America with no, not knowing a soul. In 1989, in New York, this is par- partially your fault. <laughs> but, is, but it is all your fault that I have such a love for God. Your shining example has constantly pointed me to the grace of God and the love of our Savior Jesus Christ. And for this, I'm truly grateful. To our pastors who are like family to us, Pastor Phil and Chris, you have taught me, as Charles Spurgeon says, a little faith will bring your soul to heaven, a great faith will bring heaven to your soul. Your faith, patience and perseverance have been a lighthouse for Georgie and I. Your grace for this little pastor's kid has kept me going. I promise myself, I'm sorry. Everyone on the, on the internet, I'm sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you for your, your obedience to forge way By planning and starting this C3 church movement over 33 years ago, I pray our generation will honor you with more than words, but rather action by building off this truly amazing foundation and continuing what Jesus has started through your lives, the glory of God for generations to come. Lastly, I want to thank my drop-dead gorgeous wife, Georgie. You know how much you mean to me. Your beauty radiates from the inside out. You are the secret weapon in my life. Without you and your constant love and understanding, I would not be able to stand here. Your prayers have sustained me. And I'm excited to serve Brooklyn with the same grace you have shown me. Thank you for bringing my first son into the world. <laughs> Yo, <Your> Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> lastly, but firstly, thank you, Jesus. You know my every thought and my every mistake and yet you love me. I've chosen to bring fame. You have chosen me to bring fame to your name. Even though I'm a cracked vessel, I pray this church you have planned in see-through Brooklyn brings much glory to you. I have counted the cost, and it is not comparable to following you. Amen. Let's give praise to Jesus. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He deserves all glory, all honor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this city. Let Sydney be a city for Christ in Jesus' name. The best is yet to come. Greater things are yet to be done in this city. In Jesus' name. As you stand, let's read this scripture. Romans 15 verse 13. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. This is my prayer for you tonight. You can be seated. I wanted to preach this last message, or at least in this uh, setting as a member of the pastoral team here and. Uh, a member of this great house, on hope. I've heard this scripture many times from my pastor. And uh, in this last 12 months, has really, this scripture has really sustained me in my walk with God and as we head towards Brooklyn. It's so funny when um, people ask what we're doing in New York and uh, what we're about to do, because it's, um, it's a bizarre thing trying to explain how to start a church. So people usually ask, oh, so you've got a building? Say, no. Do you have a place to live? No. (laughs) Um, Are there people waiting for you? Is there a church there? No. But there's a hope. There's a promise from God. And His Word never fails. It never returns void. And I've seen it my whole life. It's a crazy thing. I've been, been a part of this movement my whole life. And the most fascinating mystery is how the church gets birthed all over this world, time and time again now, over 300 churches worldwide. But this scripture here is an encouragement to all of us here tonight and every single day of our life. Every single person in Sydney needs the hope that you have. They need the hope that lives inside of you. They don't need our stress, they don't need our anxiety, they don't need our worry, they don't need more doubt, they don't need more cynicism, they need our hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And here Paul, at the end of the book that Andrew first read that scripture in Romans 1 verse 16, I'm unashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes that scripture starts out the theme of Romans, which is all about the good news of Jesus Christ, bringing hope for every single human being, and the message that we're going to bring into New York City in about 10 days. That hope, now Paul, the end of Romans, is praying for the church and saying, I've just explained the gospel, I've just explained all that Jesus has done, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, that we've we've all missed the mark, but Praise be to God that nothing can separate us from the love of God, that there is no longer any condemnation in Christ Jesus. And, and although we don't have our own righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ, we inherit his righteousness. And he explains all this amazing truth, this amazing stuff. But still we live in a state where seemingly there's a lot of hopelessness in our life, whether it's in our family or in our relationships, in our finances, in our business. There's things in 2012 we'd we'd rather not think about and try to escape from because the new year has started, but they still come in to 2013 with us. But God declares here through the Apostle Paul that we serve a God of all hope. We serve a God that is not wanting us to just have a little bit of hope for Sydney and their salvation or a little bit of hope in our life, but we serve a God that has an overflowing kind of hope. That word abounding means to have great amount of or ample supply. The the amplified version says bubbling over, overflowing with hope. And so my prayer for you tonight is that you wouldn't have a trickle of hope, but you would have a mighty river of hope flowing out of your soul. But the problem is we look to our circumstances or our current situation, our thought life, the darkness or the clouds that invade our mind during the week, things that happen in our world, and we somehow turn our hope from Jesus Christ to the things of this world. But the Bible also says that we, we have a hope that is fixed in Titus, and we have a hope in Romans that's like an anchor to our soul. We, we understand through the scriptures that this hope is not seen, but unseen. It's not in the things that we own. Recently we had a garage sale and uh, we sold all of our belongings and uh, we, were, we were ready to really cash in and start the church plant with a, with a whole lot of cash. And uh, all of our belongings after 10 years of marriage uh, came down to about $500. We worked for 10 years for all that great IKEA junk. <laughs> but isn't it amazing how much We work and we strive for this material stuff in our life. And in a moment, we realize how much it's truly worth. Jesus echoed these words to us. Don't live for treasures here on earth, but store up treasures here in heaven. Hope changes your perspective. An eternal hope, an eternal glory. We're living for something that's way beyond. Here and now, it's unseen. But the thing I wanna focus on here tonight is where does this hope come from? And the scripture, within the scripture, he gives us the key. He says it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Most of our hope usually comes by our own effort. It comes by attaining a bit of materialism or having a good job, a bit of money in the bank account. Your wife likes you this week. Or your kids are behaving themselves. Whatever it is, Brooks is you know, quite undisciplined, but we're working on it. <laughs> He's amazing, actually. Ten hours of sleep every night since six weeks. So if you need me to pray for you at the end, just come. Actually, George, he should pray for you. It has nothing to do with me. <laughs> but whatever it is, those things become what we think is giving us hope. There's a sense of buoyancy and a positive expectation in our life because of our effort. But here, Paul changes the game. He changes our perspective. He says it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here tonight, I wanna give you six quick reasons why you can trust this verse that is by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what's gonna happen in Brooklyn. I can't see everything. I've seen flickers of hope and images in my mind in worship moments here in this church and other prophecies and people's encouragement. I have a sense that God is gonna do something great by the power of the Holy Spirit but it hasn't been all defined, it's, it's unseen. But I know by His Spirit, He will do a great thing and see through Brooklyn. But I wanna preach to you tonight. Yeah, give God a mighty hand. I wanna share with you tonight that you can trust the Holy Spirit. No longer leaning on your own efforts for this hope, but leaning on the Spirit of God. As you wait on Him, you will be filled with such joy and peace as you believe in what Jesus Christ has done, and you will overflow with hope. Nothing has changed in your life. Your your New Year's resolution hasn't occurred yet of losing 10 kilos, but you're still filled with hope. The thing is, those things are great, but we know that at the beginning of 2013, before this year ends, right here at the beginning, you can be filled with hope. You can be filled with hope in every area, but it first starts with a hope in Jesus Christ. Paparazzi. Here's the six reasons why you can trust this verse. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. First reason is by looking at creation. Creation is the outward display of God's Spirit. It's His power at work. Whether you realize it or not, C.S. Lewis put it this way. I believe in Christianity just as I believe in the sun, not because I can always see the sun, but by it, I see everything else. When you're in your house, you sometimes can't see the sun, but you look out the window and the sun is lighting everything else up. Creation speaks of the power of God's spirit. In Genesis chapter one, we see that the Lord spoke and there was light. We saw that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the darkness and the Word of God activated the Spirit and brought about creation in that moment. And so as we look to the the sun and the stars and the moon, we can see the glory of God displayed. It's His Spirit showing us that we can trust His Holy Spirit. It shows us in Isaiah and later in Revelations that when that day comes, when Jesus comes back, There will no longer be a sun or a moon, but all of the universe, the new heavens and the new earth will be lit up by the light of Jesus Christ. That tells us that the sun that rises every morning gives us hope that one day Jesus will raise us again in hope and we will see Him face to face. Amen. Come on. (laughs) Creation tells you tomorrow morning, you see the sun, there's hope. God and His power is holding all things in place. He holds the stars in place. Verse in Romans chapter 1 verse 20, it says, For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that we are without excuse. His Spirit is on display for us. Tonight, just look up. There's hope. There's no end to the heavens. He's got a great eternal future for your life. You can trust that you will have hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Point number two, we can trust this statement by Paul, that the hope that we're looking for, the, the expectation of a positive future filled with faith and life, is not by our effort, by the ho- but by the Holy Spirit, is secondly, by the life and the miracles of Jesus. Jesus came into this world by the, by the Holy Spirit. He was not conceived by man, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, God placed His seed in a woman through virgin birth, and it was the Holy Spirit. And He was then birthed into this world as a man, and He lived a sinless life, a perfect life, but he didn't live it by his own own humanness. He, he, He lived it by the power of the Holy Spirit, showing us the example of how we should live. Jesus was baptized by the Holy Spirit. At that point, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove, and his ministry began. His first miracle was turning water into wine. The wedding was about to end. The feast was about to end, but the Holy Spirit flowing through Jesus, turn that water, change the chemical reaction of that water into wine without any process except his spoken word by the power of the Holy Spirit, telling us this this party is gonna keep on going forever and ever. This party is only gonna get better. There's more joy in the next life in Jesus' name. Um, come on. The, The welcome party, but we know there's a bigger party happening. We're a part of it right now. It starts now. That's what tonight's all about. It's a party. Come on, give God a big hand. We're not here for religion. We're here for the party of Jesus Christ. That's what we're bringing to Brooklyn. So we know that we can trust this statement because of the life and the miracles of Jesus. He opened the blind eyes. He opened deaf ears. He enabled the mute to speak. He lifted up paralyzed uh, men. He, he brought resurrection power into young girls, young, young men who were dead. He breathed life into them, showing us that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that He brings new life into our life and He brings hope. Point number three, we can trust this statement that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit, not your efforts. By the power of the Holy Spirit in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Trinity was at work at that point of the resurrection. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all working as one. The Father loosed His Son from prison. The chains broke off the life of Jesus Christ, and death could not hold Him down. Why? Because His judgment was satisfied. Death could not hold Him down because the wages of sin are death. And so Jesus satisfied the Father's requirement and all of our sin, all of our shame, all of the judgment, all the condemnation that was meant to fall in my life and our lives fell on Jesus. And so the Father loosed him from the curse of sin, which is death, and he raised back to life. The power of Jesus himself, the Son, raised himself from the grave. His majesty, his kingship, his lordship, you cannot keep a perfect king in the grave. You cannot keep a majestic king that has eternal power in his words that can create the sun and the moon just by speaking in the tomb. And so Jesus raised himself from the grave. But it was the power of the Holy Spirit that breathed life back into the very human flesh of Jesus. So he left that tomb not as a spirit just alone, but as a man walking in the flesh. So much to the point where 500 people witness or more witness Jesus after His resurrection. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians. Read it, it's amazing. But we see here that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is witnessed through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can trust that your hope is found in in this power of the Holy Spirit because He raised Jesus from the grave, not just as, as a spirit, but giving us hope of our new resurrection body in Jesus' name. That is good news. Amen. Point number three. Number four, we can trust this statement that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that you have hope that's gonna abound, not just a trickle of hope this year, but I pray an abounding hope in your life. And we can trust this statement because of the witness of the early church. Think about it. The disciples, at the point of the cross, they flee, denying Jesus. Most of the followers left. This was the point where they could have stood up and been unashamed about the gospel, unashamed about what God was doing for them, but they did not yet understand in their human intellect or their human minds. And the crazy thing is we would have been the same. But now we preach about the cross as if it's this kind of thing that we were, we're all open about, but it was such a full-on moment. And in our own human effort, just to understand it intellectually or be there and go, yes, I believe this is God, but He's dying in front of you. You can't witness to a dead God. You can't witness about a dead God. And so they flee. But all of a sudden, Jesus is resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit and comes and says to him, I want you to wait until the power of the Holy Spirit fills you as a church. And don't leave this upper room. Don't leave that prayer meeting. Don't leave church until you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't walk out of this place with a trickle of the Holy Spirit. Wait till you're overflowing because you will not survive out there. You will not be able to say the words that Andrew said in Romans 1.16 that I'm unashamed. We will deny him this week. We won't talk about church. We won't invite that person. We won't do the right thing if it's our own effort. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do this Christian life. We can live with this hope. All of a sudden, this early church that was denying Christ is now preaching from every rooftop. They're amazed. They've witnessed the resurrection, Jesus Christ. He's walking with holes in his hands and, and telling them all about the whole journey of the, the old testament into the new testament. They're witnessing these incredible things. And here's Peter, this guy is just this 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 guy that denied Christ. Now he's preaching one of the most powerful gospel messages ever witnessed in human history, and over 2,000, 3,000 people come to Christ in that one moment. What was the difference? Not His effort, not His intellect. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that changed it all. And sometimes we think the power of the Holy Spirit is reserved for a church meeting. It is for your marketplace. It is for your place of business. It is for your family. The only reason I believe that I am where I am today is because my parents relied on the Holy Spirit to parent us. It's not just great parenting books or great skills. All those things are awesome. Be equipped. Spurgeon says, visit great books, but live in the Bible. You need the Holy Spirit every day. We don't need great positive teachings. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need His glory in our life every single day. The witness of the early church. Point number five. We know we can trust this statement here in Romans 15, verse 13, that the God of all hope may fill you with joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may be abounding in hope in Jesus' name. Number five, the works of grace throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. Look at the life of Abraham. His name was Abram, and then God breathed into his life his spirit, Abraham. But as Abram, he did everything in his own effort. God promised him a son and he went looking for that son. He, he couldn't get his wife pregnant, Sarah, who was named Sarai at that point. And he promised, I will bring you that son and out of him, the nations of the world will come and you shall be blessed. Your descendants will be as many as the stars. He continued to try and lift Abram's view who became Abraham to the, to the stars showing Him that our faith and our hope has no limit in Jesus Christ. There's no limit to what God can do here in Sydney. It's great that you've had 33 years as a church, but let's believe that the greatest days are ahead. It is limitless what God can do. If we don't think that, we're thinking selfishly because Sydney needs the message of Jesus Christ. Woe to us if we were the only ones that walked into heaven in Sydney and the other people that are gathering right now in churches. Woe to us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. But Abram did it in his own strength. And he got Ishmael, showing that our work of the flesh brings a son, brings our inheritance, brings about the promises of God in the wrong way and ends in disaster. And then he trusted the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, Sarah, who was breathed in by the Spirit of God, fell pregnant. At a very old age, it was impossible. It may seem impossible what you're facing right now. It may seem like there's no hope, but you serve a God of all hope. And it's by the Holy Spirit that your business, your family, your marriage, your kids, whatever's going on, the thoughts in your mind, it can change. You may say, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my mistakes. Well, every single person in the Bible, read about their story, incredible failures, incredible upsets, absolute losers, <laughs> like me. <laughs> Honestly, read, read it for what it is, not for a religious book. It's people's lives that had no hope, but then the God of hope came into their life. <clears throat> Changes everything. And so we see grace, this great story of grace that we're still a part of today, being intertwined throughout the history of the Bible, now into the 21st century, an amazing, amazing journey of grace. And last point, we know that we can trust this statement that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we're gonna have this kind of hope. By what the inward work of the Holy Spirit is doing in you and I. Maybe the greatest testimony, maybe the greatest witness to all of us tonight is what you can't put words to that has actually occurred inside your life. I'd like to tell you how much I feel this hope, but no words suffice. There's nothing I can say that can convince you with my human words of what I feel inside. This hope that I feel that God's gonna bring to Brooklyn, I can't put words to it, but I know it. By faith, because it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There's something burning inside my heart, and I can't put words to it. And so we can trust this statement from Paul because of the inward working of the Holy Spirit. Firstly, in your heart. No man's words can truly change a heart. It's only the power of the Spirit. I can maybe capture your attention. Capture your ears or your eyes, of course. And, and I, I, I can interest you for a while or maybe inspire you, inspire you for a moment, but I can't change your heart. It's only the Holy Spirit that can change your heart. But in Ezekiel, God promises for all generations that I will take your heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. But it takes a moment of humility just to drop a knee and say, God, you're my savior, you're my creator, you're my Lord. I want your Holy Spirit to change my heart. If you're feeling a bit hard-hearted, a bit cynical toward the things of God or anything that's going on, I pray tonight that you would change your tune. You would change what's going on inside. The song of your heart would change as you humble yourself before his amazing Holy Spirit tonight. The second thing is your will. You know how strong you are or how strong your will is, and who in their right mind will take their six-month-year-old baby with no promise of church to Brooklyn? This is not my will. <laughs> I'd love to keep surfing in Manly, and, and uh, living two blocks from the beach, and, and, and have my wage provided by this wonderful church. Now I'm stepping out in faith, and, and thank you for your generosity for all, all through the years of letting me be on this staff, but that would make more sense that would make more sense. There's a great character in one of John Bunyan's books called The Holy War, and his name was Lord Will Be Will Be Will. It speaks of our will, how how strong it is in the sense that we won't do what God truly wants. He calls us, he he tells us to do these things or obey him, but in the end of the day, if our if our will is not submitted to him and surrendered to him, we'll end up just doing what we want but we know that we can trust this statement that hope is gonna come into our lives because who's gonna come to church every single week and sing songs and hear the word? It's God's will that's being fashioned into your life. It's awesome. And so as you continue to surrender that great works, great service will come out of your life. The last thing is imagination. Probably the most slippery of the three of them out of the heart, the will. And the last thing I know that the Holy Spirit's real because he's changed my imagination. He's changed what I see in my mind's eye. We imagine the worst without him, but with him, we imagine the best. Your imagination was created not to be fearful. Your imagination was not to worry and be anxious about the future. Your imagination was created to build great hope for a positive future that is filled with God's glory and God's eternal life inside of you. And so any thought that doesn't fill you with hope, you're allowed to take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. He has given you permission. You don't have to be ruled by your thoughts anymore. But I know that the Holy Spirit is real because I have a positive outlook and a faith-filled outlook for Brooklyn. I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know where the church is going to be, but my imagination takes me to great heights by faith. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church podcast. Visit us online at myc3church.net. Join us next time for more great teaching.